Okay, welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Peter Wesley Sam, and hope you're all doing well in the Royal City. Keep <laughs> repping that 519, 226, etc. <laughs> Hopefully we won't add another area code to force Peter to uh, yeah, remember geez. for the- uh, but yeah, no, it's good. It's good that Peter is is here, and uh, it's good that spring is here. We're recording on a nice day today, um, so naturally, you know, we're we're inside talking into microphones. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. And credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at three p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies. Which this week will be the new Hollywood pandemic satire, The Bubble, <laughs> which you can now stream on the Netflix. Uh, that is in the first, uh, or I should say in the back half of the show for the first half. Um, it is summer movie season starting next weekend. Not this coming weekend, but next weekend. So we thought we'd be fun to sort of guess which movies coming out this year will be the most popular. Um, little known fact, or perhaps a well-known fact, depending on how in the know you are. But the... Uh, the summer movie season is ten, tends to be where Hollywood makes most of its money because that's when all the big blockbusters come out. That's sort of what's thrown under the bus the last couple of years because of COVID. Uh, obviously, in 2020, the movie theaters were closed until late August. And uh, so there was practically no summer movie season at all. And then last year, it was up and down. Here in Ontario, uh, the movie theaters didn't open until I want to say July-ish. So, yeah, it's yeah. a it took a while. It was really hard seeing them in the, in the states. Yeah, I didn't disagree with the closure, but it was it was rough. It was yes, it was rough. If you uh, love that uh, summer movie season, and if you're someone who doesn't live with air conditioning does like going to the movies for a couple hours ma- makes for a nice break and the <laughs> and really hot days um even if the movie's terrible you get to enjoy air conditioning because uh they, they keep it frigid two places where they keep it absolutely frigid uh one is the movie theater and the other is guelph city council chambers yeah that's true <laughs> oh, so, i would assume the city chambers yeah i haven't i haven't been in there sounds nice <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I guess that's owing to uh, men wearing suits, which um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're going to get into our predictions for what we think are going to be the top five movies of the summer of 2022. And we're going to do this from one to five. And uh, we'll give some justifications for why we think that is. So, Peter, why don't you kick us off by telling us what you think the number one movie for the summer of 2022 is going to be okay so the one i was thinking about and it's actually there might be a little bit of uh bias in this because i am very excited i think lightyear is gonna make bank because there's a lot of people like me who love toy story absolutely one to three and then four i haven't even seen it it's three was a perfect conclusion. I, I have absolutely no interest. So it's more spinoff, something like this that's you know separate enough to um, not damper the Toy Story one, two, three, which I love. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. And I think there's a lot of people, especially you know millennials, who agree with me on that. 
Uh, and I think, you know, everybody still wants some Toy Story, but we've had it with uh, the Toy Story films. So, mm-hmm. so I, we've had it with Toy Story, but we want some more Buzz Lightyear. Um, and people <laughs> love, people love uh, Chris Evans, right? They're, uh, they're a huge fan. He's cool. So I think he'll be good in that department. I'm also uh, I'm a James Brolin fan, but so that's, you know, that's bias right there. I'm uh, one of the only people who loves him just as much as his son. But uh, yeah, so that'll be cool. <laughs> Wait, and, and again, I think it'll be a lot because it's Disney, Pixar, part of the Toy Story series, but fresh, you know? I love that, that um, you're, you're planting your flag as the world's biggest James Brolin fan. Um, <laughs> not, not something you hear a lot anyway. Exactly. Uh, that's the issue. <laughs> I may revisit Lightyear somewhere on my list, but for now, my number one, I think the biggest movie of the summer is going to be Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Uh, it's, I mean, the first Dr. Strange, I it was not one of the biggest Marvel hits, but Coming off of, this is the first movie since Spider-Man No Way Home, which has made $1.8 billion worldwide. Um, Doctor Strange was in No Way Home, so I think uh, the, the pump has been primed for uh, a Doctor Strange renaissance. Uh, I think it's also going to be like a mini kind of endgame cumulative movie because you've had... Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which deals with the multiverse, but you've also had WandaVision and uh, Elizabeth Olsen is back as the Scarlet Witch. Uh, and also Loki. Loki dealt with the multiverse as well. So it's like it, it's it's coming to a head all this multiverse madness in the multiverse of madness. And uh, last but not least, well, okay, maybe second last, um, there's also a lot of rumors about what kind of cameos there are going to be. So um, spoiler alert for Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, you may know uh, previous Spider-Man are in it, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. There is rumors about other people from previous iterations of, of certain uh, comic books or comic book movies being in it. Uh, Patrick Stewart is rumored mm-hmm. to be in it as Professor X, uh, as, a, as, a, as a Professor X from the multiverse somewhere. Um, lots of rumors about who else might be in it, uh, cameo-wise speaking. And of course, last but not least, uh, it is a Sam Raimi's epic return to cinema. He has not made a movie since... I mean, granted, I, I don't know how, how much box office will be driven by Sam Raimi fans, but uh, this is the first Sam Raimi movie in almost 10 years. He hasn't made a big screen movie since Oz the Great and Powerful in 2013. So That's I, almost 10 years, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, welcome back, Sam Raimi. Uh, I really think uh, that Doctor Strange is, is going to be the biggest movie of, of the summer, perhaps even of the year. Uh, we'll see. So, Peter, why don't you give us your number two? Uh, all right. So I think the one that will get in the second most amount of that moolah is Top Gun. Maverick. Mm. It's it was supposed to come out what like 2005 or so. It's been it's been <laughs> it's been in delay for years, and it's it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm excited for it. The last one, you know, it's one of the still most talked about films, um, and this has been consistently talked about even when it comes to the delay, uh, the graphics, the visuals, and the 
you know, brief trailers, teasers we've seen is, is outstanding. Um, and I think we're, we're all, uh, maybe not all of us, but I think, I think the majority <laughs> of people are, are, we're, we're missing, we're missing them, right? We're, we're, we're missing some Tom Cruise, mm. you know, and that's, that's, that's it. You know, we're missing Tom Cruise and enough of us, you know, in that department of Tom Cruise missers will <laughs> pay for it and it'll make bank. Um, yeah. I also, uh, again, I think the cast and I don't know about John Hamm for the, the big, he's cool, but you know, but mm. uh, Miles Teller, people, people like him. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think it'll do really well. And another reason why I picked it and, um, Lightyear uh, for first is I think people are starting to shift a bit more towards not uh, Disney, I guess, or um, mm. uh, Lightyear's obviously it's so Disney. <laughs> uh, MCU, I think people are starting to uh, spread out a bit. You know, I think maybe because the the COVID, it's been realized that there's a pinch of repetition. The more at least we're getting so used to the characters that were mm. the, were star- like jackass jackass made so much money and it's mm. original right so i think absolutely ones like top gun maverick or uh light that aren't part of the marvel universe but still like a big budget blockbuster will uh mm-hmm. yeah will do well i think even even better than uh i don't know let's say the pre-covid <clears throat> 2019 summer so mm. yeah that's why uh number two top gun maverick uh, I do I do wonder if you might be right about that. I will believe it when I see it though. Mm-hmm. Um, the Top Gun thing is interesting because uh, you're I think you might be right. There might be like a groundswell because like Tom Cruise is kind of like the last bankable movie star, but mm-hmm. um I mean I don't know. It, it Top Gun looks interesting, but I mean I I I wonder how many people are out there clamoring as like Where's this Top Gun sequel? It's been 30. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It didn't make my list. Um, But what did make my number two is Minions, The Rise of Gru. Um, You know, it it is the Minions. Uh, I looked at the previous box office rundown. The last Minions movie made $1.2 billion. Despicable Me, which is uh, what the Minions are from. The last Despicable Me movie, which was the third one, made a billion dollars. Despicable Me 2 made almost a billion dollars. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that the Minions, uh, uh, their second solo movie, if you can call the Minions a solo act, um, is going to make a lot of money. Plus, I mean, Illumination is, uh, you know, kind of kids, you know, family money in the bank. Sing 2 made just over $400 million worldwide. And that was like at the... Um, peak of the the Omicron wave, and you know it was it played in theaters against Spider Man No Way Home, so uh, not too shabby um, <laughs> when when all all that is considered. So uh, I think it's going to be the kids' movie of the summer. Uh, Minions, kids can't get enough. They're easy to draw. They like they they don't like it's easy to mimic their voice. I I think it's sort of like the ideal kind of inoffensive like (laughs) character i think i think i think people love i think the kids love minions more than we know so i think it'll be uh very successful this summer uh peter number three for you 
So number three for me, uh, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it yet. Uh, mm. Thor, Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will love uh, Taiki Waititi, right? His mm. uh, works. And uh, Thor, uh, what was it called? Ragnarok or whatever? Something with Thor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Hulk Ragnarok featuring the Thor, and uh, <laughs> people people really loved it. So I think this will do well. I don't think this will do as well. At least you know I'm not as interested without the Hulk. But uh, you know there was some uh, beautiful chemistry there and some some comedy, some physical comedy. I I, I can't imagine finding without good old Hulk, right? Mm. But uh, I think other than that, it's got everything people want in a MCU film, and uh, it's been a while since uh, Chris Hemsworth won. He still loved, right? Everybody loves the Hemsworth. It's not like Chris Pratt where there's a kind of rise in division. So, mm. yeah, I think that'll be great. Uh, Tessa Thompson, she's also really popular, mm-hmm. um, right? Uh, Creed, mm-hmm. she's amazing in Creed. It's just the cast, cast all around. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and uh, I didn't even, I didn't even know this. Christian Bale's going to be in it. My goodness, he's the villain. He's the okay. That's good. That's good. That'll be very. That'll be very interesting, though. Like I said, it seems like there'll be less of a focus on comedy, which for Watiti uh, can be done, absolutely. But it will. I think there's a lot of elements, at least I'll miss from Ragnarok. But overall, we're talking about Moolah. This will. This will bring it in, absolutely. Hmm. Well, you may not believe this, but I had Thor as my number three mm-hmm. as well. Thor: Love and Thunder. Um. Yeah, I. I. You know, Thor. Ragnarok made 853 million worldwide, which was more than the Dark World. But uh, like Taika Waititi did, uh, like it was a miracle what he did with Thor Ragnarok because like he gave that movie, he finally gave the Thor movies like a distinctive voice and a flavor mm-hmm. that just did not feel derivative of the rest of the the MCU. And, and I think that was the comedy. He he brought the funny and um that's not to say that it wasn't a still a poignant film and that it didn't make some pretty uh, pointed remarks about colonialism as well. <laughs> um, but I, I really think that, uh, you know, Tycho created a little niche for himself with this. I think it's going to pay off with love and thunder. You didn't mention we're getting a lady Thor, Natalie Portman as, as uh, a lady Thor. Oh, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. It's uh, and they just, like they just released the teaser trailer for it too, which is super weird. It comes out on July 8th um, and they just released the first trailer, the first, the first footage, actually the first official footage period um, just this past week. So it makes me wonder, you know, a little over two months till release day. I wonder what are they hiding? Um, Mm. What surprises might there be in this film? Uh, I think I think you know Taika Waititi earned a lot of um, cachet with with Ragnarok, and I think he might be paying that off with with Love and Thunder. And I, I think it's going to be a very interesting film. Also, it kicks off uh, the return of Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians of the Galaxy are in it. You mentioned Chris Pratt; uh, uh, they are in it, uh, which will then lead us into the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special on Disney Plus. This Christmas, and then okay. and then we get Guardians of the Galaxy three next year. So, um, it, this is kind of this is kind of, yeah. This is the there's a lot going on with this movie. Yeah, well, this is like gonna really ignite the current 
generate uh phase right yeah I think, I think there's already been a couple in it but this will really really get it going again i think yep so uh that brings us to number four peter what is your number four uh honestly i probably would have put it higher if uh i uh, had heard your comments about it earlier just i did not know the one prior made mm. like a billion or something whatever you said uh mm. minions the rise of grew i think mm. absolutely that'll make <laughs> that would make so much money. Um, yeah, I uh, I haven't seen Minions. I haven't seen. I didn't know it was based on uh, Despicable Me. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't really. I don't know anything about it. But I know <laughs> it will make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like RZA. He's cool. He's in it. That's crazy. Sean mm-hmm. Claude Van Damme is in it. Oh my goodness! You know what? <laughs> I changed my mind. This is this is number one right here. <laughs> I gotta get caught up. I gotta watch the Despicable Me franchise. Yeah, I. I and Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is um, I watched the. I I have not seen all the Despicable Me movies, but I did watch Minions. Um, what kills me is in the in the Minions movie you learn their backstory, which is like they've been assisting villains for like thousands of years, and then. Uh, they help they try to help napoleon but napoleon is defeated and then they get so uh they become so disenfranchised they withdraw from society until after world war ii and it's like <laughs> hmm that was an interesting call illumination because who would the minions work for in like say the 1930s oh yeah you're right yeah it's, that's a little peculiar wait way to have way to avoid that sticky wicked illumination anyway <laughs> yeah, um, no it's um, <laughs> say, say what you want about the the film the cast the plot whatever it, it'll make it'll make bank and it's original it's for kids like it's it's good it's 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 okay that'll be making bank mm-hmm. well uh, for, from my point of view i say make minions nazis you cowards anyway <laughs> um my number four is uh jurassic world dominion i'm not i'm not myself pulling for this i have not been a fan of any of these jurassic world movies. No. um but it is impossible to deny the money uh 1.6 billion worldwide for jurassic world 1.3 billion worldwide for fallen kingdom and that was like despite the fact i don't think anybody is a fan of fallen kingdom um it still makes bank you do get um dinosaurs uh basically taking over the world uh if you've seen the um the teaser uh the extended teaser where it it goes back 67 billion years and then it flash forwards to today and dinosaurs uh, just free reign. Uh, I think that's an interesting hook. Plus you get uh, Sam Neill, Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum all coming back and uh, getting on in on the action that might um, lure back the fans. I, 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 I wish I could bet against Jurassic world, but um I, I i just i can't um although i will note i don't think anyone has gone back i mean a, a lot of people came out of jurassic world the first one and just like loved it it's like yeah it's great it's we're, we're great to be back i'm not sure anyone has gone back to revisit it to just realize how like rancid and mean it is as well but it's <laughs> the original original <laughs> like the 1993 one no no the 2015 the first jurassic world movie oh, oh, with Chris oh, okay. Pratt. yeah yeah because yeah. like there's there's oh, a char- lame, yeah. There's a there's like a third tier character in that who just gets brutalized. Uh, she gets eaten by like a pterodactyl. 
Mm-hmm. And then the pterodactyl with her in its mouth gets eaten by like the big sea monster dinosaur. It's just like, what did this woman do to deserve such a horrible, horrible death? Uh, I can only assume she was a serial killer and that plot was cut from the finished film um, because otherwise it's just so mean just the, the masochism towards this one character but i digress yeah um so I, uh, the second they killed off wayne knight newman i i just stopped i stopped <laughs> with the series so i hope it i hope it does well but i will not be viewing it wow you're you're, you're really fronting for wayne knight there interesting yes yes i am all right. What's your number five? All right. Number five. And this is, you know, I, I, I'm going a little, it, this definitely will not be one of the, like, it won't make over 500 million like some of the others, but mm-hmm. I do, I wanted to include it because it'll make bank and with a ratio towards its budget and expectations, it'll be a ton. Uh, I think the Downton Abbey, a new era sequel will It'll make it'll make a lot. The first one's two hundred million. It's talked about just as much. People loved it, so they know now the films can be of a high quality. You know, because of the COVID, they have more time to work on it. I think it's going to do well. I think it'll at least go over two hundred million. The one prior, I think, is like one ninety seven. So I think this could uh, could go over that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I think, I think Downton Abbey will uh, surprisingly do well. I definitely have it down as like kind of a sleeper hit. I think it's um, it's not going to reach blockbuster levels, but I think I think a lot of people still love that show, and uh, I think I think yeah, it's it it, it could do well. Um, I think it'll do mm, better than its expectations. Mm, yeah, maybe. Uh, my number five is Lightyear. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure how people will react. Um, but the ingredients are there for a hit. Um, it is Pixar. It's the first Pixar movie to be released in theaters since onward, I think. So that was like right before the start of the pandemic. Uh, you do get Chris Evans as the voice of the inspiration behind the Buzz Lightyear character. Chris Evans uh, has an enormous amount of goodwill. I don't know anyone who hates Chris Evans. Um, and, you know, it does have the Toy Story branding as well. Um, I mean, Toy Story 4. I I did see Toy Story 4. I enjoyed it. Um, but it was definitely... I think if it had been a Woody story and not a Toy Story story, I think that would have made a bit more sense. But um, I, I think it, it still made over a billion dollars. So there's a there's a lot of people who love the Toy Story um, brand, and uh, like there's just not a lot like explicitly for kids. Like there's Lightyear and Minions, and uh, there's also another movie. There's one like currently in theaters. It's making bank. Like you know, mm-hmm. Captain Fantastic, or not Captain Fantastic, Fantastic Beast. Hmm. Yeah. No, I just mean like explicitly for kids. Um, there's also like th- another movie coming out this summer is the DC League of Pets, which I I don't know h- how people are going to feel about a movie about Superman and Batman's dogs, but uh, that's I, I think that. 
Minions and Lightyear. Those are the those are the movies the kids are going to want to see this summer. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. And uh, for that for that reason, I think they're they both make the top five. Yeah. Anything in anything you are personally looking forward to? Uh, when it comes to films, and, yeah, uh, this movies this summer. Uh, <laughs> not that I could think of. I'm excited as heck for uh, uh, Top Gun and mm-hmm. for uh, Lightyear. Okay, I would say yeah, I would say those ones. There's not any like independent films or anything hip like that I can uh, think off the top of my head. Well, so, yeah, just a maverick. I've got I've got a few. I've got Crimes of the Future, which is the new David Cronenberg movie with uh, awesome cast, Viggo Mortensen, Leia Sadu, and Kristen Stewart. Plus, it's Cronenberg's long-awaited return to body horror. Um, There's Bullet Train, which is essentially like Brad Pitt doing John Wick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Black Phone, which is... um, from Scott Derrickson, uh, the director of Sinister and Doctor Strange. Um, and it's like this kidnapping ghost horror with Ethan Hawke that looks really good. And then last but not least, uh, the latest Jordan Peele movie, Nope. I was literally, I was going to mention that one. Yeah. yeah which looks like uh, his UFO, our alien abduction horror, which um, it, the, like the trailer reveals nothing. And uh, it is. It that's looks, okay. It looks so good. I yeah. I can't wait. Like it's it, it. He's also reteaming with Daniel Kaluuya as well. Yeah. So. Um, oh. It's, uh, it's pressing you know, all the buttons. You know what? It's technically uh, in September. I think it's past the uh, oh, it? the air we're doing. But no, no, not the one you're talking about. The one I'm going to mention. Creed oh. three. Okay. Creed three. I let mentioned Creed earlier. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. You know what? That's November, not September. It's past what we're discussing. Um, <laughs> Halloween ends. That'll be awesome. I really do like the Halloween series. Mm. Um, and you know what? You know what I think will surprisingly also make bank as a kid's film? Uh, mm-hmm. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Mm. Well, I don't know. Uh, is, is there a strong... Well, because it's millennials like me that are popping up kids now, right? Or at oh, least maybe. like... Yeah, like I'm 20. How old am I? 20, 20. <laughs> Yeah. So like a lot of people that yeah, their kids like 21, 22, they'd be old enough for that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but nope. Nope is uh when you ask the class what I should have brought up. Because yeah, I'm mm-hmm. excited for nope. Every mm-hmm. little thing about it. And the uh, Walking Dead dude's in it. He's great. Steven uh Steven Yun. Yes, he's um he's really put the Walking Dead in the rearview mirror. Uh as yeah, I'm, thank uh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for anyone who's still on that show, and yeah, I keep forgetting it's still going. Dragging, dragging themselves across the finish line like so much dead zombie limbs. Anyway, yeah, and I've also, even though like I love Get Out, just for mm-hmm. like papers and my wife's papers, and just you know, my friends wanted to rewatch it. I've seen it so many times that mm-hmm. it's still it's a phenomenal film. But when I watched Us, mm-hmm. I didn't have the mindset of oh this won't be get out right the, that kind of mindset because mm. i had already watched get out so much i was a little bored mm. and so i am very excited for nope because i also loved us just as much i love that uh, i not, love us a lot as well it was great so this is yeah, yeah it's gonna be gonna be outstanding yeah. oh and um i also um barbie ferreira is a phenomenal actress in euphoria so that's uh she's mm-hmm. my favorite in it so that's great yeah all right my goodness 
Well, uh, so I hope on uh, end credits dibs on Nope. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it live. All right, we have live dibs. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we've generated some enthusiasm because uh, I don't know how we're going to react to this movie, The Bubble, that we're reviewing next. But uh, <laughs> stay tuned for that. You are listening to end credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. another day you got this Lauren Lauren I think something's up with Lauren I can't do this anymore oh my god I'm gonna throw up please don't because then I will too winners never quit quitters never win I don't think I want to act anymore I want to go back to the room Let's just shoot it quickly. You're going to be so proud when you get it done. Carol, can you stop gaslighting me? Gaslighting? That is not gaslighting. You know what? Your generation sucks. At least I'm not a baby boomer. I'm not a baby boomer. And that was a clip from The Bubble. It is a new film from Judd Apatow, and it stars Karen Gillan, Pedro Pascal, Leslie Mann, Fred Armisen, David Duchovny, Iris Apatow, Gus Kahn, Peter Serafinowicz, and Keegan-Michael Key. And that is just the tip of the iceberg when you count all the cameos and small roles uh, that there are in the film as well. I should have probably mentioned Maria Bakalova. She has a, has it's a, a cameo. It's a little bigger than a cameo, but um, <laughs> uh, criminally underused, I will say. <laughs> yeah and uh i think what she's best about seeing her is i didn't fully recognize her like immediately so she could still do some of the borat stunts you know what i mean or take mm-hmm. part take part in more of that but it's good to see her uh acting too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so peter uh why don't we kick off uh the review by uh getting getting your feelings on it why you wanted to review the bubble and and what some of your initial thoughts are uh, well, I, I'm a comedy guy. I do enjoy comedies. And, uh, you know, Judd Apatow was a huge part of my youth and growing up. So I wanted to check out his newest. I was uh, especially excited because, wow, the, the kind of Kid of Staten Island was phenomenal. But some of the ones prior and just some comedies overall, including from, uh, you know, like the Step Brothers director, what, Adam McKay, whatever he's doing now, Vice and such. So I really wanted to check this out because it's just comedy. That's it. It's a comedy, right? Mm. And uh, I regret that. I regret that absolutely. It was not, <laughs> not a good film. <laughs> I, uh, there's so many, like, we'll be talking about it. There's a lot of good aspects of it. But overall, as a reviewer, I cannot say it's a good film. And I do not think the laughs uh, outweighed the flaws with it even though there is sprinkled throughout some really really great laughs i've seen worse comedies but 
it's it's not a good film. Uh, no, it's really not. Um, <laughs> it's first of all, it's over two hours long, uh, ninety minutes. Just saying, that's See, a nice, I didn't, that's a nice I didn't round even, number. I didn't even know that was like possible for this kind of comedy to, to not to, like to have it two hours. Like, what what editor is not? There was no editor. I I, <laughs> I watched the credits and I noted that there was an editor and his name or actually there were two editors, Dan Schalk and James Thomas. And I don't know what work they did on this film because um, <laughs> the, there was there was no editing um, like some of the get like I was reading an interview that Apatow did and he's talking about how he, he wanted it to feel kind of like an episode of The Simpsons with like a lot of like gags and things. But like the TikTok, like the TikTok videos in it, I get the gag. It's like, yeah, they're doing these like an elaborate dance numbers for TikTok. Yeah, funny. I do not need to see the whole thing. You can take 20 seconds, you know, just put it out there. We can see the choreography. We can see the fun. I do not need to see the whole damn thing. Um, yeah, just it's the, 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 like they really needed to there, there is gold in this there is some gold in this i just wish that they had taken a like i don't need a whole i need i don't need to see the whole like gold piece you took out of the rock face uh you could just show me like a, a little coin or a little like pebble or something like i i don't need you to Anyway, it's I, I think I'm losing the metaphor, but it just it's 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 just there needed to be some pruning. Um, you needed to file down some of these edges. You needed to, you know, just get to the gag. And another thing I was reading about this was Apatow was saying like he, he was editing the movie in mind for like people who might pause it halfway through and then come back to it later. And it's like, no, like. I understand people do watch things on, on streaming that way, but that I can't think be your main mindset. Right. That's, yes. That's right. Gross. That's what then just make it a series. If that's actually going to be your direct movie editing mindset. Uh, yeah. You can't edit something with, with a mind of how people are going to watch it. I just, I think you are, I think you are bound for disaster. And I, I could say the same thing about the, the Zack Snyder justice league edit where you know you had some portions of that movie that were like 20 minutes long and you had some portions of that movie that were like 45 minutes long it's like and and none of it was like sort of naturally um sort of tied together in terms as like presented as chapters it it seemed all kind of willy-nilly and and the whole point of doing that i think was like Snyder was like, okay, here's we're doing it in six chapters. So if you want to watch a chapter, it's a four hour long movie. So if you want to watch a chapter and save the rest for later, <laughs> but I, you know, I just, I, you can't make presumptions about how people are going to watch this. Um, like, unless it's, unless you're like making something that's like three and a half hours long, you want to stick in an intermission. Uh, fine. But you can't break this up into pieces and figure like, oh, people are going to stop here and then they'll pick it up like, a, 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 or they'll, you know they'll watch this bit and then they'll pause again it just you can't think like that because there's no kind of universal book of like where people pause and pick up a movie later no and there uh, there shouldn't be there really shouldn't um when it comes to positives 
Mm-hmm. Again, like we said, there's some funny parts. Um, I, I honestly, I feel bad. I was not aware of who Karen Gillan was prior to uh, seeing this film. I'm not aware of who Karen Gillan was. Well, like I was aware of her, but <laughs> I haven't like, I haven't really, I, I, I'm not a Jumanji. I've only seen her like Guardians of the Galaxy Jumanji. She's not in my, you know. Did we not review that Gunpowder Milk yeah. movie last year? Yeah, but it was bad, right? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I'm aware of her. I'm aware of her. But even though I'm aware of her, she doesn't really exist so much in my mind- mindset. But anyways, it it she was pretty funny in this. I thought uh because because of what I just how I just described the way I view her, she surprised me with this. There were some funny parts. Mm. Um but other than that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why she was picked as the main character. I would have, you were bashing the TikToker. You were. <laughs> I thought Iris Apatow's TikToks too. I thought that was a fun look at how those kinds of stars are starting to appear more in Hollywood. The, the separation of social media and Hollywood are starting to. Starting to to change It's starting to merge together I have no problem with Iris Apatow I thought she was good I just like I don't need to see the whole TikTok video Is my point Because it feels like like The movie comes to a grinding halt For this TikTok sequence Mm -hmm. And I I think they could just have taken a snippet Given us a taste And then you know maybe they could have posted Like the whole thing on TikTok You know so if you really wanted to check it out You can go check it out But just like in terms of the movie (laughs) The movie like for some of these like gags, the, th- the movie grinds to a halt so we can get the whole gag in. And like th- it wasn't just the TikTok bits, but I like, think like, anytime um, the, the executive producer guy, Gavin, is talking to like Kate McKinnon's studio head um, on Zoom. I feel like that that kind of like grinds things to a halt as well. Well, it's uh, so separate from yeah. any other part of the plot it's it's really silly and it's not funny enough to uh, outweigh that real diversion from the plot and the other thing too is the beck cameo where they where he <laughs> zooms in to do like a little concert for the cast to like buck them up um it, it almost does a whole beck song and it's like no we don't need the whole beck song we need him to start the song so that we can see them like unenthusiastically dancing um you know to sell like the fact that they're like miserable in this situation yeah he's also he's he's just yeah he's also not scientologist anymore so he's boring so i don't (laughs) i don't know what the reason it was in those regards i I actually didn't hate it though i thought it was funny that his song was um was more like a a, a, like a advertisement for the student like saying you know thank you for staying here during the quarantine you know mm-hmm. his song was definitely just a further pay from the studio but mm-hmm. yeah i thought that cameo was kind of weird i thought all the cameos were kind of weird ben at uh, cumberbatch their faces when they were tripping appeared as his or something it was i kind of i, I kind of like you liked that i kind of like that yeah i just didn't fully <laughs> understand why I guess because they were thinking about casting Benedict Cumberbatch. I, I just didn't fully get why they were bringing him in. I guess he has a silly face. My my issue is that it takes 90 minutes to get to the scene where they're all doing drugs together. That, that is, is outrageous that it takes like you mean to tell me that 
because at this point they've been filming this stupid movie for months and i i want to get to like the nature of the cliff beast franchise in a sec but they've been filming this movie for months you mean to tell me this is the first time they all decided to get high together (laughs) come on yeah no absolutely absolutely um and it was also i really enjoyed that scene because um i can't find the actor's name but the the younger british guy Oh, right, right, right. Uh, Henry, uh, his name is Harry. Uh, Harry, Harry Trevaldo. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Oh, he is too far down in the Wikipedia. I'll tell you that because he was absolutely, <laughs> he was hilarious. When um, Pedro Pascal's character mm-hmm. um, p- passes out, mm-hmm. <laughs> him trying to deal with the, the kid, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. It's so funny. He puts the, the narcotics like up his nose <laughs> and uh, it's, it was hilarious. Yeah, no, that was a really good one. And uh, I think that's what, what I was trying to say. I shouldn't have asked her. It's, it's, it was great to be in a, a lead character, but there was so many people funnier than Karen Gillan is I think what I was, I was trying to say. And they should have gotten more screen time. I know she's the straight actress. She's, she's that character, but I think there could have been a bit more flair to her or just more screen time of, you know, who we mm-hmm. were just talking about. And the guy Gus can, uh, Howie, who uh, was the actor, the first to leave. <laughs> right, that was yeah. pretty funny. We just see him like run, continue to run away. That was funny. <laughs> That's just a simple physical comedy bit, but it's it's funny, you know? It's funny. And it, and it, it fit well into the plot of like the, you know, mm-hmm. Skype calls that we were discussing. Mm-hmm. No, that was a good gag. Um, it, it, it's just, it's, it's, there are some good gags and then there are these long stretches of them. Maybe it is like the scenes of, of them making the cliff beast movie that are just like, it's so because what is cliff beast exactly? Are they dinosaurs? Uh, Do they just hang out around mountains? And why, if, if they, if, if these are like dinosaurs that hang out around mountains, why are they just now going to Mount Everest in part six? That doesn't make like what so that, that might be. <laughs> that might be a, a commentary on how in certain blockbusters, like maybe Morbius, that kind of film, the people making it don't know what it is. They don't know what's going on. They're asking the questions you just asked, right? I'm sorry, appetite being real philosophical here, <laughs> but it's, it, I, I understand that this is like, this is a, Here's the thing. The movie I was thinking about a lot d- during this was Tropic Thunder. Yeah, me too. Me too. The reason why Tropic Thunder works is uh, like there, there, there's a reality to that. You could see somebody trying to make like a grounded, r- gritty Vietnam movie. And you could see like the comedic guy who's trying to be a serious actor. You could see the serious actor doing something deeply stupid as like dyeing his skin black to play a black character. Um, you know, all of that makes sense you don't need to really heighten and exaggerate things because all of that makes sense in sort of like the internal logics of how we understand hollywood works this Mm -hmm. it this does go to like incredibly extravagant silliness and in terms of its extremes like this whole uh, the karen gillen character um who who uh quit cliff beast and has come back to the cliff beast franchise the movie she does in between is this ridiculous thing where she plays a half Jewish, half Palestinian character um, in a movie called Jerusalem Rising, which looks like 
an alien invasion movie of some kind because they actually show a clipper i mean none of that makes sense and you could say well nothing hollywood does make sense it's like no but they're like yeah morbius is a stupid movie i haven't seen it but i could i i've always been able to tell it was going to be a stupid movie but there's an internal logic to why that movie would get greenlit because it's got jared jared leto as the star connected to a comic book universe um you know vampires there's an internal logic to that there is no internal logic to cliff beasts at all (laughs) no no there uh there really isn't um and yeah i guess i didn't care so much but Mm. like tropic thunder the film does have it's a huge part of the plot so it would have been cool to get more of of an understanding of what was going on or at least it would have i also think helped us understand further what kind of actors these characters were, like you were mm. kind of discussing. Mm-hmm. Although I do think, you know, David Duchovny did the a good portrayal of the, you know, just, I, guess, I don't know. Well, what, what I guess it was more Pedro Pascal that was like the art Oscar receiving one. I guess yeah. uh, David Duchovny was just kind of David Duchovny, I guess, like super famous, <laughs> but like TV. So like good to be in the movies or like, I, I don't know. But it, well, you know what? Maybe I would understand his character further if they had more scenes of the film they were making like you were saying so you know what i i I think what david coveney he's been part of this franchise from the beginning he's been the lead and he thinks he knows best about what the franchise should be versus like the people who are actually responsible for making because there's all the all this stuff about how he's rewriting lines and he's going to punch up his co-stars dialogue and all these things I, i actually that is kind of interesting. Oh, I, yeah, I, he was good in it. Absolutely. I, I wish they had made a bit more room for Duchovny to to be this like egocentric, you know, star on a power trip. That you know he's the real creative force behind this long running franchise and things like that. Fred Armisen, I like Fred Armisen, <laughs> but he was like he was not well cast because I I cannot believe that he's like some new. Uh, emerging talent from Sundance who, you know, made a movie on an iPhone six at home Depot. And it just, it, that he doesn't fit that. Uh, I, that I, character. I, I get the gag, but uh, Fred Armisen is, you know, not to be ageist, but he's been around for a while. I do not believe him as a new young raw talent. Sorry. That's um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, yeah it's just it's the stuff that should work and also i don't know what the tone of this is is either is it like is it like is it pro quarantine is it against it is it trying to make points at all is it a hollywood satire or is it like yeah even if it is hollywood satire there's ones you can tell are more satire for the actors or for the studio not for us viewers i mean is it is it is it the player is it soap dish it's um, the, like the whole thing, like there, there's kind of like a sudden turn in the middle where they're like the studio has gone militant in order to keep them on set. Yeah. <laughs> and one actor gets their hand like shot off. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's like it's a dark moment. And I'm not opposed to dark moments at all. But just, you know, is this a is this supposed to be a dark movie? Like the whole the whole cliffhanger or the whole the whole um third act sort of action sequence is that the actors are like making their escape and the the security guys are like hunting them down 
<laughs> through through the back lot. And you know, is you know, is this supposed to be like they're you know, is this like a, a dark moment? You know, are they like hunting them down? Like, are these people essentially prisoners? Yeah, and, and it's a comedy, so they could have picked, like they could have done that, but they just they right. yeah, they were they were too scared to to go a bit further or to just stay away from that. They didn't know. They didn't know. Like you were saying, the directors, not the director. He, well, I didn't really know what was going on, but the editors too. They just they didn't know what was going on. Although I will say that that sequence gives me my one of my one of my favorite gags in the film, which is when um, Karen Gillan's running. And and she she passes James McAvoy and he's like, why are you running? And then he starts chasing her as well. That was hilarious. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it was just it was completely random. Um, and then <laughs> I love at the end where she said or she says to him, like he's, he's talking about how tired he is. And she's like, oh, somebody get the Professor X's wheelchair. And he's like, you know, I've done other things. That was that was a, almost a perfect sequence. And uh, it's too bad it comes at like an hour and 15 minutes into the movie <laughs> yeah exactly um my goodness but i did like i did like um i like the two guys who played the mocap guys um ben ashenden and alexander owen i thought they were a lot of fun like it, it was fun to have like these two kind of like guys who were always dressed up in like these gray fat suits because they're playing oh the, those guys those they're, guys they're oh, playing they were phenomenal their choreography was great they're playing the actual cliff beasts in yeah, the film. yeah they were what i found very interesting is they were they were better at dancing than the tiktok superstar who was like a multimillionaire from it so right, I thought, right i thought that was cool although uh she also makes a comment herself about like meteoric dancing is her intense which yeah. is kind of the the tiktok <laughs> scene so yeah, yeah 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 i thought i thought those were some cool uh quips at the the current social media world yeah that was like yeah somebody she she says you're a mediocre dancer she's like well that's <laughs> my brand and she yeah it's it's um that was funny i like <laughs> i like the daisy ridley cameo as like the the mirror um workout instructor that pedro pascal falls in love with oh uh, i didn't it's you're right i didn't even notice it was her that's awesome and i like the the behind the scenes guy who turns out to be like the secret hero of the, the film yeah. <laughs> the guy who's doing the behind the scenes footage and you know and he, he comes in and he says like how does it feel watching your movie fall apart <laughs> yeah that was really cool i didn't even notice him until uh near the end yeah so that was that was a fun i guess surprise i don't know yeah i don't know i it just like i'm, there just, are I'm some... looking deeper for some positives and that was a little cool uh a tribute added at the end um i also i thought the ending uh even though the credits thing was kind of silly and made it feel less mm. conclusionary uh one of my favorite jokes was the uh skittles one i know yes. you didn't like the fred Armisen yes. character but i loved how his upcoming was skittles that he always talks about it deals with you know racism and everything it was funny it was really but, funny but that's like that feels like something Hollywood would do. It's like we're gonna we're gonna do a Skittles movie. It is gonna be a razor sharp commentary on racism and diversity um, because they're oh, all well, different it, colors. It, it just there's some there's an internal logic to that that makes sense and thus makes it funny. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, well there's a, a truth to it. Uh, that's yeah, that's true comedy right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. I, I I actually don't know if all right. I don't know if I agree with you on his. I thought he was pretty good. Um, I hadn't even thought about it. You know, there's some independent filmmakers that are a little young, but I can see why 
he didn't view him as like an art director. He was kind of, he was weird and not there kind of weird. You know, he wasn't like a Harmony Korine weird. He was just like a weird, a creep, a creep weird. He was a lot like his, he reminded me a lot of his character in Broad City, one of the creeps in Broad City. So, yeah. Mm. He was no, being Fred Armisen. It's, I mean, I love the line in that end where he says like, it's a, where he talks about the Skittles movie. It's like, it's, it's a project I've always wanted to do. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, the problem is just, you know, I don't know. There are numerous problems, but like, again, it's, it's not Fred Armisen's fault. I just had a hard time believing like he just came out of Sundance, this, new young raw talent it's like well i don't think there's anything new young or raw about fred <laughs> armison but um i mean i understand like perhaps he as a here's the thing i think there was like way too much riffing um and the thing about when you're doing satire is everybody's kind of got to be on sort of like the same page because it's all about tone it is all about character it is all about the, the narrative thrust of this thing you can't just like okay guys uh we're gonna just turn the camera on and you guys can riff and and uh you know we'll we'll, we'll make we'll make we'll make sense of it in, in the editing room and it's just like it's what you're you're trying to make a statement and this, there is a statement to be made about this i mean it's not like re- revolutionary it's not political but the, for people who don't know this is kind of inspired by like a lot of the behind the scenes trouble for per- productions like the Jurassic World movie which is why they used the Jurassic World font in <laughs> in the credits um the, all these big hollywood blockbusters that were trying to film during covid um at least pre vaccine um you would shoot for a couple of days and then the coffee person would get covid and you have to shut down because everyone got coffee from the coffee person and <laughs> so it's it's inspired by something real you are clearly trying to say something about like the, what the experience is of trying to make a movie during this incredibly um, difficult time period, but um, you have no idea what it is you want to say. So you just end up riffing and it ultimately is just so bloated that you can barely get what little joy there is out of it. Sorry mm-hmm. to put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's really too bad because there's some funny parts, but again, because it's too long, you also stop. It's harder to pay attention, so you might miss some of the uh, some of the funnier ones. I also think it would have been uh, it, at least the audience reaction would have mm-hmm. been a lot greater towards it if it was released earlier. Like it was released last, like it was released this month, mm-hmm. and it's about COVID, and it would have mm-hmm. been something you could relate to way more heavily, even like late 2021 or or even like a bit earlier 2022 so that was kind of that was kind of weird mm-hmm. i was just kind of thinking that the whole time i was like this is yeah this is this is lame it, yeah it kind of missed its moment it, yeah, yeah yeah the timing of release was was not wise oh, well. probably through covid but the film is supposed to be but whatever i yeah <laughs> it's too bad i love comedies but this is this is not a film anyone should watch if you do like comedy and are gonna watch it just watch it in 1.5 right can still hear the audio i don't <laughs> condone doing that but for this film 
<laughs> I don't condone doing the thing I just condoned. Fair enough. Uh, that is it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. If you want to listen to it again, you can find us on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean. Or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. When you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you can hear on End Credits. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where can people find you on the internet? As per usual, Mr. Tarak on YouTube and Twitter. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I will be back here on CFRU Thursday at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with my co-host there, Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my News and Politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca. Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I believe Keep Your Meters is up next. That's with Jenny Mitchell, and she'll be playing some musical stuff. But in the meantime, we will be back here next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits, and we will see you then.